Welcome back, everyone, to the Straight Up Sports Talk podcast. It is another Monday, and we are here to break everything down. It's Monday Mayhem. Sam's with me here, as usual, breaking down the weekend in the NFL. It was a good weekend. Overall, I thought um, pretty good games. We had a couple, a few upsets, actually, more than than I thought we would have this weekend. College football was good. IU follows up their win against Penn State with a win against Rutgers. That was pretty much as equally important as the win against Penn State was. We'll break down all of that. We'll break down our locks of the week. Me and Sam, we're still we'll still knotted up. We both went one and one this weekend. We'll talk about those, um, and we'll we'll just have a great conversation about the weekend in the NFL. Sam, uh, as we do every week, let's get your first thoughts on both Saturday in college football and Sunday in the NFL. What did you think overall of the weekend? Um, it was it was it was odd. I'll say that like the amount of just odd games there were whether it was the um, Bengals game whether it was the Buffalo game it the NFL week was it nine it is in the NFL yeah we're, we're through week eight we through week eight it was it was just full of weirdness from fights to just close games to upsets it just it just had everything you wanted yeah it, it really did and uh, and college football was equally as good let's start with with Indiana with IU um, they beat Penn State in week one, and, and I said last week, and you even said it too, it was e- equally as important for IU to win against Rutgers as it was for them to beat Penn State because if you don't beat Rutgers, that, that definitely takes some credibility off of that win against Penn State. Granted, still a good win against Penn State, but it's you know it was kind of like, oh, you, it was a fluke. I, I, that's what people would say was, oh, it was just a one-time fluke thing, but they followed it up. They're 2-0 and now. Um, they got Michigan at home on Saturday. They will be ranked higher than Michigan um, when they play on Saturday than they have been, I think, since the '90s or the '80s. So it's a big deal for IU. What What do you What did you see from IU on Saturday? I don't know if you watched the game or not, but um, I, I watched a majority of the game. I thought they played pretty well. I thought their offense uh, Their offense looked. Uh, a little bit better than it did against Penn State. Oh, no doubt. Michael Penix had three touchdowns in the game, 238. Like, I mentioned this before, beforehand when um, last week's episode, like, I thought Michael Penix needed to step up. I thought he struggled pretty he, – he struggled against Penn State, and I think he proved himself to be a legitimate Big Ten quarterback in this game. I'm a big supporter of Michael Penix. I think – he, he's going to be better than Peyton Ramsey was ever going to be for this squad before he transferred out to Northwestern. I thought it was a big, impressive win. I'm confused by Michigan State at this point because they were they kind of looked bad against Rutgers, turn around against Michigan State, get a win, a kind of big away win against Michigan. Like, I don't know what to make of Michigan State, and then Indiana is just doing their thing. I think Michigan's Michigan's going to be the first real test of the season. I think to shoot, to prove how good this season because you could consider Week One a fluke. Penn State maybe didn't have its best performance and whatnot. So I think Michigan coming in, you've had two weeks of uh, game film to watch over. You've had two ga- two games to kind of prepare yourselves. So I think this will be the first actual test Indiana has had to go through. Yeah, it will. I mean, that, that week one, it's the first game of the season for everybody. But I think this is what we're going to see in the Big Ten this year. I think it is going to be – I think Ohio State has separated themselves from the rest mm-hmm. of the pack. I think they are the ride-in winners of the Big Ten championship, no matter who they play in the title game. But I think when you when you talk about 
two, three, and four, I think it's going to be a toss-up all season long. I think we're going to see games where teams win, like Michigan State over Michigan, like uh, Rutgers over Minnesota, like we saw – or not Minnesota, but um, Maryland. Was it – okay, who do, who do Rutgers beat in week one? Oh, Michigan no, State. Michigan State. So I, I think we're going to see those type of, of games where teams that should win don't. And I think you're going to see that from, you know, ranks two, three, four, and so on. And I think it's really going to be a toss-up. Because if I told you after two weeks in the Big Ten, Andy and Ohio State was 2-0, and Purdue and Northwestern were 2-0, and and Iowa, Minnesota, and Penn State were all 0-2, you'd probably call me crazy. But that that's where we are. And I think that's what we're going to see this Big Ten season just because of the nature of 2020 with you know not really having a summer conditioning and, and not really having a training camp so to speak it was kind of oh our season's not on now it's back on now okay let's get ready to play so I think that has a lot of factors into it but I really like the way Indiana's playing right now I like the way Purdue is playing right now I think these are two teams that can be very good David Bell for Purdue has been absolutely phenomenal this season uh, he was great in high school he's even better in college so I think it's going to be fun to to watch them grow and develop one thing that that I think Indiana is going to struggle with is the running game I think Stevie Scott is he, he I don't think he's all cracked you know all that cracked up uh, like like the like the experts and, and the the beat writers are making him to be, he's got 138 yards in the season on 41 runs. He only averages 3.1 yards per rush. And I was actually listening to the radio broadcast of the IU game just uh, just to get a different perspective. Um, I, I love IU's play-by-play voice, Don Fisher. I love listening to him call games, but uh, their color commentator, um, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but. He brought up a great point in saying that Stevie Scott he doesn't hit the the, the line of scrimmage with that uh, with that power running ability and, and I kind of noticed that throughout the game where where he doesn't um, he he does, it's not acting like a power run he's not hitting the line of scrimmage with a full head of steam so I think that's going to be problematic I think Samson James has played pretty well through a few games I think he needs a little more touches down the stretch but I think that that is going to be one area where IU is going to struggle with is the running game oh no doubt I don't think IU's offense is built for that running game you could maybe make a case for that one Payne Ramsey for there but with the new with the addition of kind of Michael Penix's style I don't think the running game is going to be as big of a factor like let's be honest like even even Samson James, when I think Stevie Scott was hurt last year, I'm looking at his stats, 81 carries, 275 yards, 3.4 average. So the running game is not going to be there for IU. I think it's going to be dependent on Penix and what he can do against this Michigan defense and moving forward. And I, I think this season could I – don't, I don't think we can make a case that IU is going to win the Big Ten because you still got to go through Ohio State. They're still in the same division. And, and, but I still think this season can be a success if you can get a two, a second or third, third I guess, seed, if you want to call it. I don't know what you want to call it. Third place in the Big Ten East, and you can establish that as your program moving forward. As, like we've said for multiple weeks, as a contender, because I think that's what Tom Allen's trying to do, build a contender out of this IU program. And he's done a, he's done a phenomenal job this season up to this point. We'll have to see once they get through Michigan, Michigan State and Ohio State, but so far so good for Tom Allen. Yeah, it really is so far so good. And, and one thing, another thing, and before we move on, 
Michael Penix has impressed me. Mm-hmm. At last season, you know, I was a bit of a doubter of him. When when he got hurt and Peyton Ramsey come in, I thought Peyton Ramsey um, should have been the starter this year. I mm-hmm. thought that that they should have done more to get him to stay. They decided to go with Michael Penix. I I've, uh, honestly now it, it probably was a better decision to go with Penix. I, I think he's he's impressed me through two weeks, not only with his passing ability but also his running ability. And we have him. He's only a redshirt sophomore, so we have him for three more years. And uh, it, you know, if he uses his COVID extra year of eligibility, I'm not sure how that's going to work out in the wash. But at least we have him for at least an extra two years, possibly three. So that is is going to be big to build on for IU, and I think we should be excited for for future years. Um, Another interesting stat that I found from the weekend: all NCAA Division One Indiana schools are undefeated to this point. There's another Division One school that enters the mix this week with Ball State. They will play uh, in Miami of Ohio in Oxford and play the Red Hawks. Um, it's going to be a big game for Ball State. Hopefully, it doesn't mess up this uh, D1 undefeated streak that that uh, Indiana currently has going on. I mean, yes, but I I could also see even without Trevor Lawrence. Notre Dame losing. Like, let's be honest. Like, I'm not. I'm not the biggest. Just Notre Dame's in the college football playoff this season. Like, this team doesn't strike me as a. Now they're good. They're definitely a top ten team, but I don't think they're up to the level of a top four team. I think that's what we're seeing from all these close games from Notre Dame. Yes, they did beat Georgia Tech by a, by a decent amount, eighteen. Yes, they did beat Pittsburgh with a bag of a quarterback by forty two, but. I don't know it's meant to sustain. you got um, Boston College. I'm still, even though North Carolina has two losses on the season, I'm still high on Mac Brown, what he's doing. you got Syracuse and Wake Forest. Your only true tests left are Clemson and North Carolina. I still think if they beat Clemson with DJ, I'm not going to pronounce his last name because that's way too difficult for me. And then UNC. I'm not sure you can beat Ohio State or um, – Alabama or Oregon, I'm just I'm just not sold on this team moving forward. Yeah, and we we when the schedules came out, we looked at it. Okay, Notre Dame's going to play Clemson. This is going to be an opportunity for them to beat a big name team, like they have failed to do really in the past three four years. Um, but now without Trevor Lawrence, I feel like if they do beat Clemson, that the critics are still going to put an asterisk on that and say, well, they were without their best player in Trevor Lawrence. Now, I, I think. From this weekend, I think Trevor Lawrence's draft stock went up significantly mm-hmm. because you saw the way the problems that Clemson had with Boston College almost got beat. They didn't, but I, I think his draft stock went up significantly in terms of the value that he provides to a team um, in terms of the, the quarterback position, the offensive firepower position. So I, I think his draft stock went up a little bit this weekend as if it already wasn't high enough. But, yeah, that, that game on Saturday, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot on Friday with weekend prep, is going to be a big game for Notre Dame. Um, if they can beat them, I think that kind of changes the narrative for Notre Dame and, and maybe the narrative for the season. We'll have to find out. That game is in South Bend. That's where college game day will be next weekend. So that'll be fun to watch and, and see. Um, and see Notre Dame take on Clemson. Uh, one thing I wanted, last thing I wanted to get to here in college football, it's a team that doesn't get talked about a lot because they are on the West Coast. They play at like 10.30 at night every weekend. BYU is kind of, I said this at the beginning of the season, I told you, I said BYU is kind of my team. I like them, um, especially you know after they beat Navy in week one. Can they go to the college football playoff this season? I mean, if they're undefeated, I think they have to. Um, but BYU is playing really well to this point in the season. 
do you see them going to the college football playoff at this point? I see I, I see another group of five team having a better chance, and that's Cincinnati. Luke Fickle and what he's done to this point has been phenomenal. I think we can all we can agree there. And BYU still got Boise State ahead. Um, probably probably play them again if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Probably play. Oh wait, they're in, they're an independent, so never mind. They don't have a conference championship game. But the point remains is I think I think BYU for as good as they have been. Like I told you to bet on week one against Navy, which they did phenomenal. Like I think Cincinnati is built for the college football playoff. They are they have beaten up to this point SMU by 29. They beat Memphis by 39. They beat South Florida by 21. Now to me BYU football is solid. Like I don't think there's any discredit to the Mormons as I like to call them. But I, I just I, I like Cincinnati. If any group of five teams gonna make it, I'm Ryan Luke Fickle. Yeah, I do too. And I I don't I don't see a situation where they both get in. Um, I think a one loss power five probably gets in over them. I I don't really know how it works. But BYU has absolutely rolled every opponent. When you look at strength of schedule, I mean BYU is really gonna play you know only their 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 first ranked opponent all season or. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up on on Saturday, so I think um, that that is kind of a factor as well. Their their game against Army was postponed. Navy wasn't ranked when they played them and stomped them to the curve, fifty five to three. So the first game against a ranked opponent this season will will come on Saturday. So we'll see how that fares. Um, let, let's talk some NFL, Sam. Big storylines over the weekend. One of them was uh, the uh, late afternoon window yesterday. Javon Wims of the Bears decided to swing on, on C.J. Gardner-Johnson of, of New Orleans. If you haven't seen the video, uh, I'll post it to our Straight Up Sports Talk Twitter later today. But it was uh, it was something that we haven't really seen before. I mean, it, it was just kind of something that looked like it just started out of the blue. Um, it They'd been kind of going back and forth a couple plays earlier, but that was just uh, to me that was the strangest thing that happened in the NFL this weekend. Yeah, it was weird. I, I'm, I was reading uh, Tom Pelissero's tweet, and Javon Wims apparently told team officials that uh, C.J. Garner Johnson spit on him in addition to ripping out Wims' mouthpiece, which they do have a clip of him actually ripping the mouthpiece out of uh, Javon Wims' uh, mouthpiece out. So whether or not that def- that is acceptable for him then to swing on him twice two players later multiple times while he's wearing a helmet like that's just stupid it, like i don't know i felt like in that moment you're an i'm pretty sure he's an nfl veteran at least two three years into this league like he should know he should learn from um who who was it that wide receiver that got his um michael crabtree in the um, I keep to leave an interaction where they pull try to pull each other's chains and whatnot. It was just stupid. Like I feel like in that moment, like yes, he did those things, but like there's better things you can do. Like you could probably shove him after the fact. You could probably talk smack to him. Like I didn't think it needed to escalate to the level that it did. No, it definitely didn't. Uh, it was kind of funny to watch in the moment. Um, it it developed, but. Ultimately, I think Wims will be fined significantly for or not, it, or if not suspended. If not suspended, yeah. Um, or you know, if I was the Bears, I think he would be uh, packing his bags this morning and heading out. In my opinion, Sam, we're halfway through the NFL season, week eight. What I mean, 
it's been a crazy NFL season from postponements, cancellations. We didn't really have we didn't have any this week, which was good to see. Um, what what has been your overall thought of? It doesn't seem like we've been eight weeks. It seems like it's only been four. But what is your thoughts on the NFL season as a whole halfway through the season? It's been super fun to watch the rise of the Bills, to watching the Seahawks just let Russ cook, as they say. Green Bay has had its up and down Saints. I'm not really sure what to make of them. Like, they just don't seem like a true contender to me. Like, there's all sorts of just weirdness going on in the NFL. Like, if you would have said that well, was the Browns were going to be five and three? The Dolphins were going to be five and three. Like, would you believe it? Would you believe that the Patriots are two going to be two and five coming into the season when everybody was all about uh, Cam Newton? Like, this this season is just weird. Vikings are two and five. Falcons are two and six. Like, this season is just weird. It's off. Bears are five and three. Like. But, I, but I'm enjoying it so far. I think this is probably one of the best NFL seasons I've seen just because of the unexpected nature of what we've had. Yeah, and, and if you would have told me the Steelers are 7-0, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that has been something crazy as well. They beat the Ravens in, in tremendous fashion. It was a great game on Sunday. And they're 7-0 looking down the pipe of the Cowboys, Bengals, and Jags, and then they play the Ravens again. So, in my opinion, the Steelers are going to be um, 10-0 when they play the Ravens again. Mm-hmm. I think this this Steelers team is very, very good and very, very dangerous. I thought we were going to learn a lot from the Steelers this weekend when they play the Ravens, and we did. I wasn't sure how the Steelers' offense could keep up with the Ravens' offense, but turned out the Steelers' defense helped out the Steelers' offense by containing that, that Ravens' um, offensive attack. So, yeah, it, it's been a very, very interesting uh, NFL season. I mean, e- even with with teams um, that we didn't. I mean, the Packers at five and two, the Bears at five and three. Um, you know, the Bucks at five and two are, are okay. And then you get the Seahawks at six and one. So, Sam, I, I want to ask you here: Who is in control of each conference? Who's in control of the AFC? Who's in control of the NFC at this point in in the season? NFC, I gotta go to my boy. Da- I gotta go to my boy Russ in the Seahawks. I mean, when you look at it. They beaten they beaten the 49ers, they beaten the Patriots, they beaten the Falcons, and then but they move on to a much harder schedule with the Bills, Rams, Cardinals, and Eagles, I guess if you want to call them since they're the they're the technical division leader. But I think the Seahawks moving forward are control because they've just shown how I think really good this team is not just Russell Wilson but they've got an emerging star in DK Metcalf that everybody's been raving about they got Tyler Lockett their defense of course has been struggling but Russ has been proven over the years and even this year that he's been able to carry the workload in AFC you mentioned the Steelers schedule how can you not go with the Steelers I mean three winnable games ahead of you before you play the Ravens again who you just beat barely but still beat considering how good they are so I think I think the Steelers are definitely in control, but yeah, I think the Seahawks are are in control of their uh, conference as well. I think DK Metcalf is the next best receiver in the NFL. I I, th- I think he you know replaces the OBJs or uh, you know just Juju Smith Schuster. I, I think he is the next best receiver in the NFL. I'll disagree with you on the fact that we've seen OBJ and Juju. They've had excellent seasons, but at times they then disappear. Like, 
like um, I think it was like week two through five. We were like, "Where's Juju at?" Like he disappeared from the offense. OBJ, when he went over to the Browns, we thought it was going to be all excellent. He's had a couple good games where it's the normal OBJ, but he's also disappeared. And with the Seahawks offense last week. Tyler Lockett put up an insane, like, 58 fantasy points. Like, I'm sure DK Metcalf had a solid game, but I think for as good as he is, I think people need to just reel it back in, like, get give him a couple seasons before we just start, like, jumping to conclusion because he, he looks like a different animal. But I think we need to see consistency over years because, like we've seen with future superstar wide receivers, they just seem to disappear sometimes. And... DK might be another one of those. I don't think so. I, I think, you know, he's in his second NFL season. If you look at the past few games, I mean, of the last five games, he's had over 100 receiving yards in three yeah. of those. Yesterday he had 161 yards on 12 catches and two touchdowns. I, I think he he's a he's a different type of build receiver. I mean, he's 6'4", 230. He, he's a different – type of build than where we normally see with receivers. I just think he, he's kind of the next best um, in the league, and, and I'm ready to, to watch him take flight. I I, th- I think he is, but I think we need to give him multiple seasons what he can do in this offense because he's a rookie, correct? Yeah. Yeah, second-round pick right now. So before, like, I'm pretty sure OBJ had an excellent rookie season. Juju had an excellent rookie season. Like, all these receivers have good um, rookie seasons. Adam Thielen's that come to mind, like, but I'm just I'm just waiting for him to develop multiple seasons of like let's say a thousand yard seasons before we're like he's the next bit best thing because there's one hit wonders all the time in the league like I remember 2007 Peyton Hillis who got on the cover of Madden that year like like he he looks to be the real deal but until he proves it over a length of time. I'm just going to chill off a little bit. Well, he's not his rookie season. He's his second, second, second season. Second. But still, yeah. yeah, he does need consistency. But uh, I'm ready kind of to buy in on him. Um, Sam, let's talk a little bit about the Colts game on Sunday. They, they blew out the Lions 41-21. to uh, It was a bit of a rocky start, but they got it finished uh, in, in the end. What is your reaction? I think the Colts offense played really well. In particular, Naeem Hines was a big story coming out of that game. Uh, I feel like the Colts finally – figured out how to use Naeem Hines in this offense. And turns out it's not really rushing, it's more receiving. But the thing that worries me is we're not going to be able to win games with, unfortunately, we're not going to use Jordan Wilkins 20 times a game. We're not going to use Naeem Hines for as good as he is as much as he did. And I think this was just a weird game where it allowed us to do it, where where the rushing game was as dynamic, so we had to use those more receiving backs, and that's what allowed us to use Jordan Wilkins. But I don't think that's the game plan moving forward, as good as Naheem Hines has shown to be with those three flips in the end zone, with those with that juke move he pulled uh, to get in the end zone. Like, that that what worries me moving forward because I don't think this this Lions game is gonna is showing what this offense is gonna be like because we're a 20-time give-it-to-Jonathan-Taylor, let Phillip Rivers throw it 20-times kind of balance attack, and that's not what we got from this game. It's not, but you find different ways to win, and that what's, that's what makes NFL teams good is you find different ways to win, and they did that. So I think the Colts offense looked, looked way better on Sunday than it even did against the Bengals um, two weeks ago. They got Baltimore coming up next Sunday, uh, and then a Thursday nighter against Tennessee on a short week. So uh, we'll, we'll see a real test of this offense. But 
you know, since the Browns game, Sam, I mean, Phillip Rivers came out after the Browns loss. It was an ugly loss. People were ready to write off Phillip Rivers. They were ready to trade him, you know, whatever, get rid of him. He started to read what the beat writers and experts were writing about him. And since then, he has been amazing. He's 371 passing yards against the Bengals and 262 against the Lions. I am becoming more and more of a Phillip Rivers supporter as the season goes on. At this at this point in the season, what does Rivers have to do to this team to get a contract next year? Uh, nothing. I, I don't think there's really anything he can do, even, excluding a Super Bowl win, which I don't think is probable with this team. Like I'm just going to be frank. I don't think there's a Super Bowl win in this cards for this team with Phillip Rivers in it. I, I just think that this is a one in year done deal. I think we're either gonna move in the we're gonna move in the direction of newer because do you want your f- franchise guy in his upper thirties? Do you want to give another two three years to a guy who's thirty who you don't really see as the future guy? Because let, let, they drafted Jacob Eason this in this past draft with a fourth round pick, but he looks he looks somewhat promising. Not sure what to make of him besides the few practice clips we've seen of him. But they could also draft a quarterback here in this upcoming draft. I, I don't think there's really much Phillip Rivers could do outside of a Super Bowl one to guarantee a contract with the Colts, considering his price tag as well. Yeah, I think there is. I, I think the Colts, the Colts are definitely in win-now mode. They're not in restructure mode. That was two, three years ago. They're definitely in win-now mode, and if Rivers can take them to the AFC Conference Championship, I think he gets another season. I think you can throw more few pieces in there and get them ready to go for another season. That's if he can do that. If not, I'm not sure where they go. I'm not sure if they try to trade him, try to trade picks for a quarterback. Sam Darnold has been thrown out there. Um, there there's been a few different uh, names tossed around there. Do you take a you know, do you, do you try, try to trade up and get Trevor Lawrence? There's been several theories and, and um, kind of different paths that people have been talking about. But I think Rivers can, can take him to the championship game that he gets another chance. And then maybe you work in Eason after that. Give him another one-year deal. And then you say, okay, Jacob Eason, let's roll. You would still have two years left on his rookie contract. So that um, – you know, could be a, a resource that you utilize to, to continue the success. But I think if Rivers could take him that far, I think he gets another another season. However, when you look at who's available this year, here's just a couple names that's just thrown out here, notable starters who have started in the past. you got Trubisky, Dalton, Prescott, who the Cowboys have said they're that they're going to sign him, but they haven't up to this point. You've obviously got Rivers. You've got Fitzpatrick. You've got Winston. Don't any of those names strike you as let's not pay Philip Rivers twenty mil again, and we can get a cheaper, just as good quarterback for the foreseeable one to two years while Jacob Easton develops, or you get another guy in and he develops. Yeah, I mean, I could see I could see a Sam Donald coming here if you can get him for the right price. The Colts aren't going to give up insane amount of picks mm-hmm. or cap space to get a free agent in, in terms of trading that or, or, or even picking up a free agent. We've seen that. I mean, it was kind of a miracle that they signed Phillip Rivers this year because we don't normally see that. You cannot build a team through free agency. You can't get a good quarterback through free agency, though. And I think if you can get Sam Darnold for the right price, I think you take him. I think he deserves another chance with pieces around him to actually help him and not hurt him. Um, 
That is really the only free agent that I like. Fitzpatrick would be like just getting Phillip Rivers, uh, in my opinion. That It would be the same um, in terms of how many games you're going to win. You see what he does in, in Miami, and I'm bought on him seeing what he can do with the Dolphins, but you're going to get the same amount of wins in the end. So I think if Rivers can, can take you deep in the playoffs, I think you give him another chance um, to, to try it again next season, and then maybe you work in Easton or you go after somebody in the draft. And I think I think what's interesting is would would you have rather them sign Tom Brady? Looking at it now, eight weeks in, would you rather have, we've seen how good Tom Brady has been, and they had the chance to sign him, but opted to go with Philip Rivers. Tom Brady has shown eighteen touchdowns, four picks, nineteen hundred yards, led the Buccaneers to what six and two at this point, five and two, playing tonight. I, I I think I said I, I may not have said this on the podcast, but I would I would have rather them sign Tom Brady personally, and I th- I think he would have had a better chance to lead this team this season to a possible AFC championship than Philip Rivers has now. Yeah, um, I just I I don't know I I think you know Nick Sirianni and and Frank Reich have both worked with Rivers in the past. So I think that played into it. I I don't know about that whole discussion. I think that's a discussion to be had at the end of the season once we figure out where Tom Brady ends up going with with Tampa and where Rivers ends up going with the Colts. Because when you look at the teams, yeah, I mean, Tom's got his guy in Gronk. But when you look at the teams in terms of skill-wise, I think they're pretty much on equal footing in terms of of skill level of players. Tampa with the upper edge at quarterback, but the Colts with the upper edge with their defense. So I think when you when you if you were to compare them apples to apples, they're probably the same. So yeah, would I have liked to see what Tom Brady could have done with the Colts? Yes, but I I still think we're okay with Phillip Rivers. I don't think we need to to ride him off just yet. I mean, when it comes down to it, the Colts are five and two and first in the AFC South. And what's the goal every year to win your division? And, and host a playoff game. That's the goal every year, and to go farther. But when you look at it, Phillip Rivers is 5-2 is and two, with two pretty bad losses, yes, but five really good wins, and you have a stretch of the schedule where I think we're going to learn a lot about him. I said it last week, and I'll say it again. Ravens, Titans, Green Bay, and Titans again. It's going to be interesting, and the Colts have an opportunity to prove themselves. I will say the last time we we were high on Phillip Rivers, it was they lost the Jaguars, then they beat two bad defenses in the Vikings, or three, um, or two. So they were they beat the Vikings and Jets, and then he struggled against a really good defense in the Bears. Then you saw him struggle against the you saw you saw him kind of struggle against the Browns as well. And now we're in a situation where we're kind of back to that. They, he did do well against the Bengals. He did well against the Lions. Now they got a tough stretch against the Ravens, Titans, and Packers. Because up to this point, has Phil Rivers delivered a good performance against a good defense? And that's no. The one really good defense he's played up to this point in the Bears, he struggled. He had... 190 yards and one touchdown, 16 of 29. So, are we really expecting good things about him against a stretch against the Ravens, Titans, Packers, and Titans again? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be interesting to see if he can prove himself. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be big for the Colts, mm-hmm. I think. Sam, we got we got Wednesday football this year. We got six games on Wednesday. The Mac returns. 
Obviously, we're looking forward to Ball State, Miami of Ohio. Who is your preseason favorite to win the MAC this year? I know Sam, if you don't know, is the host of the Mid American Bandwagon podcast. It's a podcast with Hustle Belt mm-hmm. uh, that, that covers the MAC very well. Um, what is your, I don't know, I guess reactions or first thoughts on the MAC preseason this year? Who's your favorite, uh, and, and who do you think is going to do pretty well this season? Um, it's it's gonna be really tough when you look at top to bottom. The MAC is in an interesting place. I think the MAC West is pretty straightforward. It's Buffalo and Miami contender, but the MAC West has so much, so many um, contenders top to bottom. When you look at it, the Ball State could even win it. The uh, Western Michigan could potentially win it. You have the normal Central Michigan's Toledo's a favorite, but when looking at it, top top to bottom, I think you have Toledo. Um, coming out on top for me and then it's going to be coming down to Miami, Ohio and Buffalo and I think Miami, Ohio coming off their experience, coming off their MAC championship win and, and Brett Gabbard, Blaine Gabbard's brother having another year of experience with that offensive line in that defense, I think they're just going to be too good. Buffalo, Buffalo I think has a really solid chance to knock them off but I think Miami, Ohio just gets it done in the yeah. end. I, I would have to agree with that. I think Ball State does really have a good shot, mm-hmm. honestly, in my opinion. Um, and, yeah, I am a little biased. But from what we saw last year, it was a disappointing 5-7 and seven season. It really was. But you look at those games, and they were close in many of them. They could have easily been 7-5. and five. So I think we're going to see a very competitive max season. It might be Miami, Ohio at the top in mm-hmm. a fight for second, third, and fourth. But I think it's going to be interesting and fun to watch this this year. No doubt. I think I think it's going to be interesting considering Central Michigan's starting quarterback hasn't been reinstated by the NCAA yet. He's still coming off a suspension, which I it was some sort of drug-related thing, so I'm not really sure on that. Toledo always underperforms. So Ball State's in a good spot moving forward. Eastern Michigan doesn't do well against Mac West um, in their history. The only time they did was 2018, their second, uh, second in the MAC West. Other than that, they've really struggled. Northern Illinois is kind of rebuilding that program, and I'm not really sure what to make of Western Michigan. So as you said, I think Ball State is in a position to contend, but again, like we saw against Central Michigan, it's can they get it done? That's the whole question. To be the best, you got to beat the best, and we'll, we'll see that. Uh, Sam, you'll be our MAC expert all year long. Um, got any final thoughts before we close out uh, Monday Mayhem today? I will say I was I was impressed by what the Broncos did. I have the, I had them as kind of uh, people sleep on them, and I think they proved not that this season will be the Broncos' year because I don't think they will. I think they're still recovering from injuries to Cortland Sutton on their defense. But moving forward, I think the Broncos are in a really good spot moving forward as long as Drew Locke has his confidence moving forward. First half. He didn't look. He didn't look the best. Second half, he came through in a long way. Was playing like himself. Had that swagger. Had that confidence about him. And that Broncos team came through again. A a multiple double digit um, comeback win against a division rival. I think definitely proved to some people that this Broncos team may not be six, set up for success this year, but one year, two years down the road, I think we could be talking about this Broncos team potentially being a contender. We could. They, they do have the pieces, it does appear. And they do have their quarterback, and Drew Lockett does appear. So uh, we'll see. That's Sam Tillman. I'm Grant Covey. Come back on Friday. We'll have weekend prep. We'll talk about the weekend's events uh, and get you ready for that. We'll react to some action results uh, from Wednesday's games and just have everything else you need on your Friday. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you at the end of the week.